the Modern Poetry in Translation podcast. I'm Kairani Baroka, the editor of MPT, and I am very honored and delighted to have Jumpa Lahiri with us today for this episode. We're going to be discussing poetry and translation, and specifically two very recent projects of Jumpa's. The first is Translating Myself and Others, a collection of essays on translation out with Princeton University Press. And the second is a poetry book that Jumpa wrote in Italian entitled Nerina's Notebook, excerpts from which are in the latest issue of MPT, Rabbit in Banana Leaves, The Food Focus. So, Jumpa, first of all, thank you so much for being part of the issue. It's it's, it's wonderful to have your poems uh, self-translated by you from Italian in the issue, as well as an excerpt from a really rich interview you did with Non Solo Muse. So, to begin with, I think it would be excellent if you could please read the two poems we're publishing in the issue. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm just going to open them up on the um, on the proofs that you sent, which will be a great way to check everything <laughs> as I read. Um, so I'll start with cupboard. To make space in the cupboard overhead, to store our luggage, I took down the elegant clothes and assorted hats of the woman who once lived here. Articles washed and pressed and suited to the past. They'd been hanging in the closet when I'd first seen the apartment. I grabbed the bony hangers from the dry cleaners, the plastic sheathing her raiments whispered back. The weight surprised me. I had to drag them, cupping my hands beneath the sleeves as if they contained real armpits. I called the elevator and unlocked the door to the basement. Now, in the cold dark, they drape the wobbly daybed on which I recovered after they'd opened my uterus, then too, removing something unwanted. Thank you so much for that reading. This is the, the second poem for Alberto de la Serda. Dear Alberto, I think you'd have liked the smooth sand-colored paper wrapped around your portrait in black and white. The framer from Trastevere set aside another job to greet me, retrieving you from your grander neighbors, a row of paintings you probably despised. To protect the sheet of glass measured to fit your photo, he cut a section off the wall in the middle of the table, neatly folding flaps, enclosing you. He asked for 15 euros. You became a discreet package, flat and hard, unlabeled, but destined to arrive in my study, you who hated ruckus, everything superfluous. Here in blazing silence, you'll see the Roman sky, vast and fickle all the while. You'll hang by bookshelves crowded with spines that stand or rest on their sides. You don't smile or pretend to feel at ease. You're as neutral as your paper wrapping. Immaculate spoils I find hard to throw away. Oh, thank you so very much. That was that was really a delight. Now, I think I'm going to start off by asking you, your book of collected essays, which I adored, uh, Translating Myself and Others, is dedicated to the memory of your mother, 
and and I thought it was very beautiful that the first way you describe her in the dedication is as poet. That really uh, struck me. How has your relationship to poetry changed over the years? And I was also wondering what the relationship is between these changes to how your relationship to translation has changed. Well, my my relationship to poetry has been very significant, and then, but for a long time, also very uh, very remote. In that, I. I always loved reading poetry and I studied a lot of poetry in my long years as a student of literature. I read poetry. I wrote about poetry. I loved poetry. As you mentioned, my mother wrote poems. So it was also part of, you know, what I saw being made in my house. Um, but I myself was um, terrified. I mean, and terrified isn't even the word. I had no relationship with poetry from a writer's perspective. I really felt that the writing of poetry was a different language and that I didn't understand it, that I had no connection to it. Mm. It was sort of lost on me as a, as a maker, even though I could read poetry and find it beautiful and 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 so on. Um, so it was very strange because whereas, you know, it was my love of reading prose, uh, prose fiction, uh, mostly that, that drew me into writing and made me a writer and taught me how to write. Um, even though I read poetry, there was no, there was no second phase. There was no um, point of access into poetry in English. And then what happened was when I started to become very serious about reading uh, in Italian and sort of only reading in Italian and uh, in order to focus on sort of immer immersing myself in, 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 in Italian as a, not only as a speaker, but as a reader, I turned to poetry and I think some of the, the the initial real contact I had with Italian literature was by reading Italian poetry. Mm. And, and I find that interesting in hindsight. I think, you know, the past 10 years have been so um, rapidly um, transformative and increasingly experimental for me personally as a as, as an artist as a writer um that within you know um seven years or so my first attempts to write in italian which were of course in prose because that was the only thing i knew how to write in english uh, morphed and and the last time I was um, living in Rome, I'm living here again now, but the, but the previous uh, long stay I had when I was on sabbatical, this was four years ago, that was when I, I started writing poetry or what, what something that seemed to be, that might have been poetry. I wasn't sure what, what it even was when I, when mm. I started writing it. Again, because I don't feel, um, 
like a poet. I, I don't feel that I am a poet. I feel that other people are poets, and I know even a lot of poets. And even though it, you've completed a whole book of poetry, at this point. it still feels strange, though. Like it still feels like another person wrote it. It's it's just very odd. And and since writing those poems, um, I've written very few poems actually, though I think a lot about writing new poems, uh, especially in this moment, because I'm my principal work right now is is translating uh, an epic poem. I'm translating of its metamorphoses with uh, with a colleague of mine at Princeton uh, named Yelena Baraz. So I'm in the middle of, you know, I mean, I'm in the middle of this immense work of poetry, of Latin poetry. And so, of course, when I'm thinking about what might come after this, I, I wonder if it will be... Um, I wonder what form it will take, but it's really Italian that has pushed me or allowed me to explore this new form. That There's something about, um, you said that in hindsight, it was very interesting how you, you, you were compelled to, to write poetry. And is there something um, uh, from the distance of some time since you began writing poetry about that time that that you can recognize as sort of pushing this this morphing along so to speak yeah well i mean i think the thing that's interesting to me about what emerged in the in the in the experience of writing these first shall we call them poetic attempts um is that they they were a key, they were, they were a vehicle to transport me, to take me back into my past. And a lot of the poems explore childhood and memory and um, things of that nature, that things that when I first started writing in Italian, I felt that my Italian was very much sort of grounded in the present moment and that I, I wasn't able to take the Italian and then and then explore within me, you know, in, 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 into the past. Um, so this was very illuminating to me, the fact that, that much of the poems, much of the, much of the, the substance of the, of the poems in Medina, I mean, it's a bit of a mix, the, the poems in that book. Um, in some sense, it's, a, it's, a, it's written almost as a diary of, of a year in Rome. Um, and I did write the poems over the span of more or less nine months or something like that. And they were all written in Rome. But many of them, many of them are about my past and, and, and trying to look at, at, at elements of, of my past. Um, and, and I think that has really now opened wide really widened uh that the 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 scope of my italian writing in general and, and that's another fascinating element uh that you discovered that you were only able to sort of confront your past through italian 
in the essay Why Italian in Translating Myself and Others, you described translation and language learning as being full of doors to go through. You write about doors duality, and I quote here, as a barrier on the one hand, as a point of entry on the other. The doors keep urging me forward. Each leads me to a new discovery, a new challenge, a new possibility. And at other points in the essay collection, you write about how a new language can remind us, uh, learning and writing a new language can remind us of the exclusions we experienced in a language we already know, and that really resonated with me. Um, and I wonder about the relationship between using doors as a framework and entering new doors through working in a newer language or translating um, with all the uncertainty and change do the doors sort of represent forms of catharsis re relating to what you just said about your past? I don't know about catharsis. That's a big word. Um, and I, I think it's it's very relevant when we talk about Greek tragedy. And, mm -hmm. and sure, there are experiences in life that feel cathartic. Um, to me, it remains a sort of academic term in a way. Um, but I think that, you know, if, if the point of writing is essentially to know oneself and by knowing oneself to know the world, then yes, I mean, it's, it's been a door inward, Italian. It's been a door inward, but, but ironically, it seems like, you know, on paper, it seems like a door very much facing outward. Right, because people will say, "Oh, but it's not. It's so far in from you and your experience and who you are." Mm. And that comes with assumptions about who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's 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 filled with projections and assumptions about uh, who anybody is. What's continuing to drive the Italian is that I, I think that the the most interesting thing to me now is that it, it's that there's a a door pointing, you know, a door leading inward a door allowing me to go back and think about my life and my past and my experiences and my upbringing with new filters um, and with new and with better, clearer vision. Mm. Uh, so there's an excerpt from a great interview that you did with Non Solo Muse in our issue. And there's a lot of great stuff you said in there about identity and, uh, you know, perceptions of the self. And in your essay, Where I Find Myself, I, I really love the notes that you um, included, that you made while self-translating your Italian novel, Dove Me Trovo. And I'm, I'm just going to quote one of them. I suppose the exhilarating aspect of translating myself was being constantly reminded as I changed the words from one language to another that I myself had changed so profoundly and that I was capable of such change. Um, and I wonder, did you find the process for self-translating poetry the same as for prose? And these aspects, or, or has it differed for you in in some ways? You've already spoken a little bit about how um, it's, it's it's allowed you to look inward and and perceive your past through an entirely new lens. But I wonder if there are other differences you noticed between the process of self-translating poetry versus prose. I have I have noticed. Uh, I, I mean, I can talk about two differences that strike me. Um, and I haven't, you know, I've, I've, tr I've translated just a, a handful of the poems in um, 
Nadina's notebook, what will eventually become Nadina's notebook in English. But what I noticed, well, one thing I noticed is that um, it's, shall we say, 2,000 times more, more difficult and problematic as a, as, a, as a general undertaking. It's really a challenge to, to, to make it work, to make it sing, to um, give it meaning, to, to maintain the, the, the weight and the impact uh, of the words. These are things that in prose, uh, I think there's more for me, a little bit more leeway. And, um, and, and I also think because I have more experience as a prose writer in English, I have a, I have a more, you know, my ear is more trained to write a, a prose sentence as opposed to line of birth. So I'm a little bit, um, not a little bit, I'm a lot. <laughs> I'm quite um, disoriented. Even when I'm translating it into English, I'm asking myself, is this reasonable? You know, now that it's, now that it's a poem. But I think the thing that really strikes me when I'm translating poems, or even when I'm reading the poems, is that I'm now light years away already feels like I'm light years away from the the emotion that was driving the emotional experience that was driving the the writing of it. And so I feel I feel a real abyss more so than from my prose writings. And and I think because I was writing those poems in a kind of fever um, that the whole cycle of of poems that became Il Quaderno di Nerina. And it was a very particular experience. It was a very, you know, I was in some sort of, under some sort of spell. I can't explain what was going on. But my entire life, my days, my nights were taken over by the words um, that I was writing down and hearing, writing down, hearing, playing with, working over, you know, and that is really interesting to me, you know, that, that the poem um, is, at least in, in my very small, very limited experience, it was so closely connected. It was part of one, uh, part and parcel of, the, of, of, of an emotional experience that, is, that has now passed. Yeah, I I think that the terrifying and also exhilarating part of poetry is that a poem is such concentrated emotion in yeah. such fewer words usually than 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 a prose piece, and I wonder when you compare your memories of writing your prose works with your memory of writing these poems, um, if there is a distinct difference in terms of that sort of fever <laughs> that you felt um, that you describe. Um, if if it's because you know that what you're creating is is a form of concentrated emotion, if that makes sense. I, I think. I mean, I, I like that way of thinking of it as concentrated emotion that then comes out in language. I think that prose. Um, 
it just has it it just has a different um it's on a different speed or something it's a different kind of concentration it requires concentration and it requires emotion as well but it doesn't feel as direct I'm starting to think of a very reductive way of describing those differences as marathon versus sprint. I mean, I think that's right. I mean, right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here in Rome and I have a, a new book of, uh, of short stories that has come out uh, a month ago. And the book that's, that's, um, that I wrote in Italian that will eventually come out in, in English as well. But so I've been talking a lot about, you know, people keep asking why, why short stories again? What's the difference between short stories and novel? I mean, this is sort of ongoing question from readers, from the public. And, and what I often say is that I think the, that the short story is, I'm certainly not the only person to say this, but the short story is much more, is much closer to poetry than the novel. And that's why I like them. And that's why I've always been drawn to them. That's why I, I work, you know, um, I happily work in the form and return, keep returning to the form. That's why the short story has never been a stepping stone for me. But I can't remember. It's hard for me to remember how I felt when I was writing any of my stories in my life or a novel or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's really impossible for me to recall uh, with very few exceptions, you know. I mean, I can say, oh, when I was working on this book, X, Y, and Z were happening in my life. I can say that. But I don't remember the emotional specificity while I was writing. Whereas with the poems, with these poems, I can I can very quickly summon the emotional specificity of that year. And in fact, the fact that I wrote the poems, it traces a, an emotional reality. It's almost like a scent <laughs> and how scent drives uh, um, us to remember something so quickly all of a sudden. Right, right, right. It has that. It has that. Yes, exactly. Yes. And congratulations, by the way, on on your short stories. Um, And uh, I'm sure it must be tiresome to have (laughs) very many people asking you constantly about your choices um, and and the choice of uh, form that you choose to to take on but we are we are so fascinated by your turn to poetry and it seems like as as somebody who's so steeped in poetry all the time and others poetry I always feel so happy when a prose writer turns to poetry and I'm always so fascinated by why um and and I wonder in terms of rereading your own poetry in your essay about um Ramshi and translation which is really illuminating for me, you write, reading Gramsci's letters, one realizes that every interpersonal relationship can be read as a form of translation. I love that quote. Um, And it made me think of the figures in your poetry and sort of the memories that you attach to them. And I wonder if translation has has made you rethink the interpersonal relationships, um, sort of the way that you spoke earlier about how you're able to to see your past and process your past I wonder if the relationships between people and things in the poetry when you read it um what what kind of alchemy is going on there with regards to relationships this is an interesting question I I think that I mean translation has has literally sort of converted the way I think about practically everything 
because the more I think about translation, the more I realize that everything can be thought of vis-a-vis translation in some sense. I, I feel that you know all of life is is somehow vitally linked up to the question of translation, and and I've certainly been very uh, preoccupied, interested in um, questions of translation from my very beginnings as a as a writer, and I write about translator characters, I write about interpreter characters, I write about people who are speaking various languages, I write about linguistic issues and problems with miscommunication and misunderstanding and so forth. But what I think now is that we, in terms of interpersonal relationships, how we, how we relate to each other, how we get to know each other or not, is a question of translation. It is a question of, of, of peeling back layers of meaning, and it is about always running the risk of terribly misunderstanding. I can say that, you know, as I, I write a little bit in the translation, translating my book, myself and others book, um, which is dedicated to her mother's memory and talks a little bit about um, her um, her last uh, weeks, her last months and weeks. And something that really occurred to me, struck me, I don't know, um, or strikes me still now that she's, um, that she's dead is that, you know, it was, it was only once she was gone that, that somehow a whole other layer of meaning was, was peeled back. And I was able to see who she was, who she really was because we are no longer in that in that interpersonal relationship of the living if that makes if that makes sense because of course i still think about her and, I, and of course i still spend will spend the rest of my days trying to understand her trying to understand her better because our parents are such mysterious creatures at least mine are <laughs> to me but i think most people's parents are pretty mysterious um and as are our most important relationships in general, you know, I mean, I have two children. They are also mysterious creatures to me. I, I'm married and, you know, happily married for 20 something years. But 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 still, you know, there's there's there are mysteries uh, that we hold. So even in the most intimate of relationships, there's this question of translation, trying to understand, mm. trying to understand who we are. Um, and then all the all of the issues of translation and not understanding who we are and you know something that's said and misinterpreted or misheard. So I think that translation has a vital place in in trying to think about um, human psychology, human relationships. Yeah, I actually was just sharing with a colleague earlier your anecdote in. Um, the essay collection about how your daughter teaching you to do somersaults underwater <laughs> spurred you to 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 sort of uh, be more courageous in terms of translation in some way. There's a sort of parallel there, and so it made me think that um, it's it's beautiful how interpersonal relationships can also make us think differently about the the work of translation itself. Is is what your writing made me think of, and I wonder if you think that's true in general. I do remember when I was reflecting on the experience of self-translation 
that experience of learning how to do something, you know, my daughter teaching me how to do something, especially these somersaults in the water, which are so disorienting if you don't know how to do that. Um, the thought, yeah, um, seemed to me very apt um, in, in order to describe what is entailed in, in, uh, in the act of transiting oneself, where you kind of lose your center of gravity. You have to lose your center of gravity in order to, you know, in order to perform the task. Yes, there's really interesting stuff you write about how you perceive yourself when you're self-translating as opposed to translating other people and how that distance is necessary and must be cultivated. And I never really thought of it like that before, especially since there's also this, this dual nature of earlier when you're speaking about translation being a lens into the self and allowing you to know yourself more, <laughs> but then you need, but then you need that distance as well when you're self-translating. I, I wonder if that's how you juggle that in the process. Well, there are two different operations. I mean, one is the active sort of self-knowledge, the basic journey of self-knowledge, if you will, that we're all on ideally. And then there's the sort of recognizing that you are not just one, one person, one identity, one soul, but, um, but at least two and likely more, but, but certainly for, you know, in terms of self-translation, I've had to make, you know, create um, very, very clear boundary, if you will, between, you know, sort of the person who wrote the book in Italian, in this case, and the person who's translating it into English. And um, I think with, with the translation of poetry, the, the, the distance is even greater for the reasons we've already talked about. That's also an exciting um, path of exploration, you know, to always be recognizing the other inside of yourself. Yeah. Is it almost like it made me think, is it perhaps that in the process of self-translating, you do require this distance and you see your other self or, or other selves, plural. And then it is in the act of reading that sort of as much as a poem can be finished. I think you also mentioned um, an anecdote about how art is never really finished. It's just abandoned um, it, when you reread the work in completed or somewhat completed form then you can see yourself you can go further into yourself but in the act of self-translating itself in the writing process there's this distance am I correct in, in sort of making that distinction for your process I think there's just I have to maintain distance all the time from for, in all of the phases I mean there's the writing phase the only phase in which I don't feel the distance is when I'm actually producing something, whatever the text is. And then as soon as it's published or finished, I, I feel that somebody else wrote it. I really feel that. I feel like another part of myself wrote it and that part isn't there anymore. That part is no longer a part of me. And, um, but with self-translation, it's, it's all much more extreme because I feel that when I'm self-translating, I not only is there, um, you know, a great deal of distance that's re required. I think so that 
you know, you don't run the risk of, or I mean, it's not a risk, but you don't go the path of rewriting the work, which is, which is a reasonable path to take. It just isn't the path I would like to take because I would like to actually translate, try to translate my work and not rewrite my work into, into, into English. And that's, that's really hard because that's the moment when I have to really face the person who wrote the former work and work with her and understand her and, you know, dare I say, um, respect her, uh, respect her intentions. And it's very, very hard to do that when it's not another, another writer. Yeah, yeah. So that I feel very clearly, very keenly, the difference between saying to myself, what was Ovid really thinking here? Why why did he arrange the words like this in the line? That part of me who produced that work that's in the past and trying to understand what she was uh, thinking or wanting in that moment. Thank you so much, Jumpa, for you know your your work and for being here with us and uh giving us your time i've really enjoyed this conversation it's my pleasure thank you so much for all the care you've taken with uh with the poems and running this interview our music is from the song javier by molar a multilingual band featuring italian spanish thai and luxembourgish speakers which includes writer and translator livia franchini